Okay, so uh, before I uh, have Ben come up here and, and uh, preach an awesome word, um, we are going to start a new series. Uh, here in Echo Youth, we like to do series. We kind of talk through it. And we do small groups and all that kind of stuff uh, based on what we've done. We've done series on anxiety. We've done series. We did a 16-week series on Jesus one time. We did, uh, we've done all sorts of things, right? We've done a series on uh, parables. That was our last one called What is the Point? And so this one, uh, it's officially going to start... Um, the uh, first week of December, uh, but we're going to tease it a little bit right now. And so this new series that we're going to be jumping into is called Split. Everybody say Split. Split. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Um, Okay, so um, it's called Split, and the, the idea is that at some point... We catch ourselves, uh, oftentimes we catch ourselves living uh, kind of in two spaces, right? We're at school with our friends, uh, being discipled by the culture, right? And, uh, and we're, we're kind of acting one way, right? We see ourselves acting a certain way. And then we come to church, we put on a different face. Anybody ever done that before? Don't raise your hand, all right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I've been there where school, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to be cool, you're trying to do all, you know, all you need to do to fit in and, and to make it. And then you come to church and you, and you put on a different face because you don't want uh, me to be disappointed in you or something like something crazy like that. But here's the thing, uh, the Bible says that you can't serve two masters, right? The Bible says uh, be either hot or cold, don't be right in the middle. So here's the thing, at some point we have to address the split. We have to address the split where eventually if we address it correctly, we split off from our old self and live for Christ fully, okay? So all of us are going to come to a crossroads at some point where we have to make a decision. Like where, where, where God meets us in our sin, where God meets us uh, in our despair, where God meets us in our depravity, and we got to make a decision, okay? So this whole series is about the decision we're going to make uh, when we arrive at the split, okay? Sounds good? So with no further ado, Ben, uh, everybody give an Echo Youth welcome to Ben as he comes Let's up go, here bro. and preaches Let's a firework. Hey, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm kind of nervous. Just dropped my computer. It's all slippery, bro. Look at this. Last time I did it, in the last series I preached, I for sure carried it sideways and almost almost spilled it, bro. Almost spilt it. Um, how's everybody doing? We're doing good? Everybody, everybody awake? Everybody chill? Just coming off Halloween. Did anybody do anything crazy? Bro, what'd you do? What'd you do, Ken? You want to talk? That's what I thought, bro. Was it actually super busy? No? Everybody was out trick-or-treating. That's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. Halloween's not my thing. I spent my uh, my Halloween locked in my prayer closet just praying for a double anointing over Call of Duty. Um, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. Um, it, it didn't work yet. No, did not get the dubs. I'm still trash. Dude, it's trash. All right. Yeah, Jackson carried me. He carried me. And then we went to Taco Bell, and it was, everything was good after that. Anybody get a good Baja Blast? But Brett teased it already. We're going to give a sneak peek into this whole new idea of split. That goes pretty hard. That graphic's sick. I'm just going to tell you right now, they blew it with my, uh, <laughs> with my uh, slides again. Um, I'm not trying to roast Brett, but this is the third time in a row that my slides have been messed up on the times that I preach because Joey, I'm dropping, I'm not, I'm name dropping everybody, forgot to put it in the, uh, in the Dropbox, but it's all right. 
I'm not mad. I'm just a little disappointed, you know. Yeah, I'm not mad. I'm just a little disappointed. But tonight, I want to take a look at something that's been on my heart for a while. And that is, I posted on the gram, on the gram, I was on the gram, right? I uh, posted on my stories a few weeks ago, or months ago, maybe. And I just kind of was talking on there about this whole idea of the authority of Scripture. What does that mean? What does it mean to give Scripture authority in your life, right? And so some of this may sound kind of familiar if you saw those and read those. But Loki, if you're like me and sometimes just skip through stories because I'm OCD and I don't like the circle around people's names, I have to like get rid of it. That, so that'll be this will be fresh for you and you're good. This will be like you never heard it before. So let's dive in. Let's dive in tonight. I want to challenge our perspective on the authority of Scripture. If you're taking notes, you can title this thing. Um, I didn't come up with the title. You can title it, uh, Can I Speak to the Manager, or something like that. Something, something with authority, right? Something, something like that. Maybe uh, that goes pretty hard. I'm going to run with that. I'm doing this Church Karen style, so I might get crazy. might get absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't title it. But it, you can just write Authority of Scripture if you're taking notes, because that's going to be the main subject of the whole thing. So I really have one central thought that I just want to challenge us with tonight, and it's uh, going to set the stage for the series split that Pastor Brett's going to start here in December. It's going to set the stage for us having to make some tough decisions, right? Deciding to make Scripture the ultimate authority of your life is not easy, <laughs> nor is it fun sometimes, if we're being brutally honest. So hopefully I can spark that conversation, get that challenge in your heads tonight, and then we can do this thing together because it's, uh, it's better to do it together, right? Amen. All right, so I want to take a look at an encounter in Acts 17 between Paul and the Jewish populace of two different cities, um, Thessalonica and Berea. These Greek city names are going to kill me, so pray for me. But these cities each had a completely different view of this new emerging thing called the way. Anybody know what the way was in, in there? Oh, send it. It was God? No, well, kind of. It was Christianity, <laughs> but close. Um, before it was Christianity, all these people that believed Jesus called themselves the way instead of just being traditional Jewish. So I kind of look, you want to go back to that? Like, yeah, what religion are you? The way? That goes hard as heck. I don't care. That goes so hard. Amen, Nathan. That was good. So um, I want to go straight into the text. Uh, it would be up there, but like I said, they blew it on me. So if you have your Bible or you're taking notes, we're going to go to Acts 17, and we're going to start just in verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 9 to start. Give me a A-O if you're there. That is, you guys are lying. That was so fast. There's no way, brother. There ain't no way. But all right, I'm, I'm just going to send it. You guys can follow along or take notes. Got it? Send it. All right. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, these Greek cities, dude, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous 
so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot. These people were wild. And then they rushed to Jason's house, which, I'm sorry, this dude's named Jason, living in Thessalonica. This is just out of pocket to me. I was reading this, and I was like, they really just, this dude's real name is Jason. It's just, it, it was hilarious to me. I don't know why. Yeah, Paul, too, like, and then there's dudes like Mephibosheth, and, like, you're like, what's going on in the Bible? Like, they just forgot how to name people, but whatever, it was a different time. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have been causing trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. There's a lot there, so I'm going to break it down. Break it down now, y'all. All right? Okay, so let me paint the picture. This all is taking place after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Right? Jesus has already come, done all his ministry, died, resurrected, ascended to heaven. And this is also post-Paul's transition from the Christian murderer. So anybody who doesn't know, Saul was, was the original Paul, right? Paul was Saul. He was going around just murking Christians. It was not good, not a good look. But then he met this dude, Jesus, through a vision on the road to Damascus. He got his whole life flipped by, upside down. He got hit with a Modern Warfare 2 stun and just went blind. If you play the game, you know what that means because your whole screen just goes white and you literally blind yourself, IRL. So he got blinded, went back into a city. All, got, Jesus was telling him all these things, and then, bam, he's transitioned, right? Now he's Paul, and he goes on to be the greatest evangelist to ever live and writes over half of the New Testament. So that's where we're at. Paul has been converted. He's on his second missionary journey when he rolls up to the city of Thessalonica. During this time, he went into the Jewish synagogue, which would have been their like church, their meeting place. He went in there, right? And he started preaching the gospel, arguing that Jesus, this dude who just came, got crucified and ascended, was the Messiah, right? That was very controversial to the Jews, a lot of them, because they expected this Messiah they'd been waiting for, they expected him to be this warrior king to come and establish Israel again and take them out from Roman oppression. They were all living mostly in Roman um, occupied cities. And so they all thought the Messiah is going to come, he's going to fulfill all these prophecies and restore Israel, and he's going to be king forever, all these things. So they were a little disappointed, to say the least, when Jesus came and didn't meet their expectation, right? He came and was a suffering servant and died for the masses on the most gruesome, like, humiliating way of that time. Like, if you walked into the, into the ancient world and saw a cross, it was, like, morbid, right? We walk around with our Jesus peace now, like, oh, this go hard, right? But if you were walking around with a cross back then, that was, like, the most humiliating, horrible way to die, up, even up until past Jesus' death. That's how, that was a criminal's death. So the cross now, obviously Jesus re-gave it this crazy, awesome, entire meaning. But back then, if you were walking around with a cross, not a good look. You were about to get murdered. So <laughs> not cool. 
But they were expecting this warrior king, right? And then Jesus came, died a humiliating death. And despite that, Paul goes and he starts preaching this to all these Jews in Thessalonica. Some of them agreed. Some of them and some prominent Greeks were like, yo, that, that makes sense. Like, I see the connection here. So they joined him, this seemingly new movement and that claimed Jesus to be the Messiah or the Savior that they had been expecting for ages, right? Since all of the Old Testament scriptures, which was all they had, right? The Hebrew Bible back then, the New Testament wasn't written. All they had was the scriptures. It was the Hebrew Bible. So this angered a different group of Jews because they were being undermined, right? The Jews were the prominent religious leaders. The, these people would set, set all the regulations, run the temple, all these kind of things. And it made them jealous that they were losing their influence in the community to this random dude, Paul, and this, his friend Silas, who just walked in the town and started preaching this crazy, new, like really out-of-pocket kind of thing where this dude died on a cross and he's the king and all this stuff. So it didn't make sense, and they were getting mad, right? They were probably also losing a lot of money from this. They ran the temple, so they were not happy when this dude came in and said, you don't need to buy those sacrifices. Jesus paid it all, right? There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of, I'm not, they got mad, right? They started a riot. It got crazy. So <laughs> skipping down to back into verse five, not up there. I get it. They went down to the market area, rounded up a bunch of thugs and started this big riot trying to get Paul and his buddy Silas arrested or killed for the message they had been preaching. These dudes were wild, and they literally got so mad that they went and started a riot. I've been mad before, right? We all know the story about how I body slammed my brother at Lake Tahoe. I've told that story before. I, it was over a foosball game, and I picked him up and slammed him on the floor. As you should, right? Come on. But I didn't start a riot in the house and just start making everybody mad. Probably should have. Might have actually been better than body slamming him, but I prayed about it. We're good. Um, so what happens during the night, they start this crazy riot and then they couldn't find Paul or Silas. They were going to search for him at Jason's house, couldn't find them. So during the night, everybody was likely asleep. The people that liked Paul and Silas were like, yo, you got to get out of here. These people are not down. You're like, you got to sneak out. So what did they do? They snuck him out. They told him to leave and they went to this town called Berea, which is 50 miles away. Yeah, that's a hike, Nathan, I agree. People back in the day were literally, back in the Bible times, were literally built different. Obviously, they didn't have cars or anything. Maybe they had a camel or something. But if they were just out there, they just, camel, nice. They just went out there and started walking 50 miles. Sorry, I'm, it, like, if I hear something, I'll repeat it. It just, it, it what, how many times I got to tell you? Whatever he puts on the screen, he's going to read. <laughs> I think by now, we all know the story about how, I walked 28 miles, right? I got a badge to prove it. 26.2 mile walk because of my friend Jackson over here. He bet me that I couldn't walk a marathon in a day. And I said, say less. So I literally did it. And it was horrible. I couldn't walk for three days. So now imagine almost doubling that and just trucking 50 miles just because. The Bible doesn't say how long it took, but I got to think it was pretty quick because there's literally people trying to kill him. So I feel like they probably hightailed it which is just nuts. And they didn't, even, they didn't even write in the scriptures that they were tired. They had Jesus. I have the power of God and anime on my side. Sorry. <laughs> All these old vines just come into my head while I'm up here. It's hilarious. Those were good times. But that's where we'll pick up the story, okay? Acts 17, 10 through 15. 
They just went through Thessalonica. Everybody did not receive the, not a lot of people, some did, not a lot of people received the gospel, and they were, they were mad. They started trying to kill them. So they go to Berea, they sneak out, and then we'll pick up verse 10. Mm-hmm. As soon it was, as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas out to Berea. On, on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul, if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, and Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. They're the decoys. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left them, he left them with instructions to tell his boy, Silas and Timothy, yo, come join me. This place is sick, right? That's where we're going to leave it. The next part of Acts 17, they talk about uh, Paul's time preaching in Athens. We're going to skip that for now, okay? So they arrive in Berea. And they are pleasantly surprised, right? They do everything exactly the same. The first thing they do is they go in the Jewish synagogue and they start preaching the gospel. First of all, that's terrifying. The last place you did that, they tried to kill you. And you're just going to go do it again? That's, that's wild. That's a side note, but that's crazy. So Paul went straight to the Jewish synagogue and started to preach Jesus. Luke, the author of Acts, who also was the apostle Luke and wrote Luke, um, he was a historian, so that's why he wrote Acts. He was keeping a history of everything that happened. But he makes a special comment here in verse 11. He says the Jews in Berea were of noble character. But he didn't say that about the, about the Jews in Thessalonica, right? It was, a, it was because of their noble character that they, quote, this is verse 11, received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures to every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. They didn't just blindly believe this dude who came into the church and started preaching. That would be dangerous. They examined the scripture they had and said, does this line up? Does this line up with what I'm hearing? And when it did, they said, okay, we believe you. Right? This is the split that we're talking about this week. Keep it nice and easy. There are two differences. There's two key differences that I found between the Jews and the populace in Thessalonica and those in Berea. Number one, the Jews in Berea were of noble character, which means that they had a high moral standard. They had respect for Paul and Silas while they were preaching the gospel of Jesus, while the Jews in Thessalonica only cared about themselves and how they looked. They were very stubborn and blind because of their jealousy that was brought up when Paul and Silas started to gain influence. My first thought, from that is just an observation that can help us understand where a lot of society is at right now, I think. The way that the Jews of Thessalonica tried to get Paul and Silas in trouble was by telling the, Romans, the Roman uh, officials in the city that these guys were claiming there was a king that wasn't Caesar. That was in verse 7. They said, there is another king, one called Jesus. That's a bad rap because they're undermining Caesar's rule. However, the irony here is that is exactly what the Jews wanted. 
They were awaiting a Messiah or king to free them from living under Roman oppression. That's what they thought the Messiah would be. But the Romans would have thought that meant Caesar wasn't king, and they would have got really mad because you're undermining the king. I mean, that, that's treason. That's, <laughs> that's not a good look. That's how you get killed. So they got mad. However, the same thing the Jews told the Roman officials was a problem was literally what they were expecting to come in the future. It's what they were waiting for. So why did they, why did they rat this Jesus dude out? That's what they wanted, was to be restored as Israel. It doesn't make much sense. The Jews were awaiting a warrior king to be the Messiah and restore Israel to their might and power and free them from Roman oppression. Then when Paul and Silas claimed that person did come and his name was Jesus and he freed everything from everything, (laughs) he didn't just free Israel, he opened it to the Gentiles, he freed the entire world, died on behalf of everyone past, present, and future, became the sin himself, died to it, and resurrected, right? They were like, nah, you lying. You play too much, bro. That's not it. That's not what happened. We don't believe you. We're going to go actually tell the Romans that that's not true, right? It doesn't make any sense. Even though it was exactly what they wanted, a new king to free the captives and restore the broken, this Jesus guy didn't fit their presumptions, so they outed him right away. This is proof that jealousy and prejudice often distort our view of reality. This is proof that jealousy and prejudice often distort our view of reality. When we lose sight of what we actually want, we let our presumptions and jealousy run our lives. Sometimes we just need to focus on ourselves. And that's a word for somebody. That's a word for me if it's not for anybody, anybody else. Sometimes you just got to focus on yourself, right? Sometimes you just need to get out of other people's business and focus on you and let God work on you before you can work on anybody else. Jealousy and prejudice distort our view of reality because they, are always, they always say, I don't have enough or, or I need to have what they have. It crushes our perspective and sends us into a tailspin when it doesn't work out. But at the same time, I, I identify with the Thessalonians. And I think we all do in some, in some respects. I'm very stubborn at times. I'm just going to be honest. Some of my closest friends in here know that. Hence why I walked 28 miles to prove a point. That's, that's probably the most stubborn person you'll meet that is willing to sacrifice their legs for 28 miles just to tell Jackson he was wrong. That's absurd. That was a year ago, though. I'm safe now, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But um, that wasn't the smartest plan. It ended in a funny story, and now I can talk about this story my whole life that I did this crazy thing, but it also brought a, brought a ton of pain and soreness. And I literally didn't walk for three full days. My mom's nodding yes because she had to take care of me like a little baby. And I had to go to work the, ne- the two days later. And I was like, oh, oh, God, oh, God. Jackson worked with me too. So I was like, you got to stack all the pallets, bro. I can't move. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll drive the forklift, I promise. But um, and I whipped that bad boy. I'm not going to lie. But I, confer- I can confirm that it was indeed not worth it, not even in the slightest. I did get $100, but it still was not worth it. And bragging rights. You're right, Karis. That's true. But you would have done it for 10 bucks. I'll give you 10 bucks to do it. <laughs> I want to see, see you do it, bro. 
Yeah, shake on it. Shake on it, bro. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I got distracted. But I think I've told this story before, too. But when I was little, I absolutely hated wearing a jacket. Don't know why. I'm wearing two now because drip don't stop. But back, th- back then, I was like, no shot. And it's actually pretty funny. I, Caleb running our, running our camera like a beast. I told him earlier today when we were outside, I was like, dude, you don't have a jacket? And he goes, yeah, I don't really want one. I was like, I've been there. Don't know why, but I've been there. Like, I agree with you. Um, but I told this story before. But back when I was little, I would just never take one. I was like 10 years old, and I would go outside. It's like 50 degrees, and I'd be standing there like this. And I just, I thought it, I thought it made me look tough. I thought it made me look like, dude, that dude, that dude's sick. No jacket in the cold. That, like, like, yeah, that dude's different. That dude goes hard, right? That's what I thought. In my head, I made up, I made up this false premise because I was jealous of the people that actually had that title, right? I was jealous of the actual tough dudes that I grew up. I grew up playing hockey, so I knew some macho men, right? And I, I, I grew up watching the adults go at it, and I was like, dude, those guys are sick. I bet they'd think I was cool if I didn't wear a jacket right now. That was my thought process. I'm, I was 10 years old. It was not smart. But then we'd go outside, and my parents would be like, bro, get a jacket. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't need it, bro. <laughs> I don't need it. The drip don't stop. But now, <laughs> now, and then like 10 minutes later, I'd for sure be like, dad, can I have your jacket, dude? It's, it's cold out here. He's laughing because he knows it's true. But I, I would always do that because, and then he'd be like, no, bro, I'm not giving up my jacket. This is your fault. But uh, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to get, be the tough kid who everyone was like, yo, that kid don't mess around right? I was jealous of the actual tough people I knew who were out in public. I wanted them to see me as a tough guy because I was not wearing a jacket. I know it makes no sense, but like the Thessalonians, I allowed my prejudice or my predetermined presumptions of what cool is and my jealousy of those things guide my life, right? That's just a funny story, funny example, but so to recap, the first difference I see between the Thessalonians and the Bereans is the Bereans were willing to listen and be wrong, right? Partnered with a willingness to change. They were willing to be wrong about what they presumed the Messiah would be, and they were willing to say, okay, that makes sense. I'll change my mind. Sometimes I think we got to do that, right? My example was a little silly, sure, but sometimes you got to be willing to say, you know what, that, <laughs> that does sound better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repent from this, and I'm going to go this way. Because that makes a lot more sense, right? Second thing that I get from this, this is kind of where I want to nail it down. The Jews of Berea and Thessalonica did another vital thing differently. The Jews in Thessalonica allowed themselves and their predetermined ideas to be the final authority when listening to Paul and Silas preach. They didn't like what they had to say, because it undermined them. So they did not care if it was true or not. It makes me look bad. I don't care. Right? It goes against what I believe. Oh, I, I don't care. I'm not going to listen. I'm actually going to get really mad at you instead. <laughs> That's what they did. Right? Come on. You're messing up my style, right? In reality, they were just trying to help. They were just trying to give, point them on the right direction. There wasn't no foul play involved. But their presumptions and their, their predetermined idea of what the Messiah would be allowed them to dismiss it immediately, push it away. Sometimes you just got to drop the wall. However, the Jews in Berea did the opposite. 
they threw off their prejudice and presumptions and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's verse 11, Acts 17, 111. This is the big difference, and I wanna, that's what I want to drive home. Our view of the authority of Scripture deeply matters. Deeply matters. I would argue that this is the key difference between the two peoples, and you already know what, and I see this problem today, too. Our authority, or what we give our authority to, is completely messed up, and that's why I think we have a lot of problems. You know what they say, history repeats itself. It just keeps happening, Right? Today, everyone is looking at something or someone for approval, no matter what. Our social, our social, social image matters today more than it ever has in the past. How many followers you have matters to people for whatever reason more than anything now and more than it ever has in the past. We let our feelings dictate every aspect of life. And if something goes against what we feel, it must be destroyed because that's dangerous to us. That's what we think. Society no longer looks at the Bible for clarity on issues. It looks at what this celebrity has to say. We no longer look at the word of God that's unchanging. We look at what Tom Cruise has to say about this whole thing. It doesn't make any sense, right? When political or social issues arise, we often look at things from our own understanding, not the Bible. Scripture has to be the place we find the answers. When some big social issue pops up, I don't go to the news to see what they're going to say. I don't go to my friends. That's a tough one. At least first. Some, I'll go to my friends. I'm not saying don't talk to your friends. But what I am saying is that should not be the first place you go. That should not be the first place you go. You shouldn't go to social media first either. Go see what all these influencers are saying. I go straight to the Bible to see what God's word has already said. There's a key difference there. I'm not going to go to my friends to see what they will say. I'm going to go to the Bible to see what it already said. Any answer you need is already there. You just got to go find it. A trick for that, too, is like Loki, the Bible app. If you guys are like struggling, I need to find this verse or whatever, just type the whatever words you remember and it will come up. So just a hack. I do that in school all the time because I don't remember specific verses sometimes, Loki, so I just type in, like, the word. I know the verse, but I don't know what number it is and stuff. Just a hack. But growing up, my dad always used to set me straight when I said I didn't feel like doing something. I, didn't f- I don't feel like it. He would hit me with this. I don't feel like waking up at 6 in the morning and going to work all day and then coming home and dealing with all this, but you like to eat dinner, so I don't have a choice. Sometimes you just don't get to do, you have to do what you don't feel like doing, right? Feelings are good. God wants you to feel things. They're indicators often. Emotions are indicators of something is wrong, something's good. God put them in your, in your psyche for a reason. They're good, but they can't be what anchors us. They are unreliable because they're constantly changing, it's like constantly trying to aim at a moving target when you try and base your life off what feels good. We will never be able to anchor our lives in what feels good one day because one day, oh, the rain's cool. I like the rain. And then the next day, this rain sucks. I hate this place. Your feelings will change just like the weather. Our feelings change. Then we wonder why we are perpetually anxious. We're trying to anchor in a moving target, and we just keep 
missing, right? Oh, whoa, 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 brother, whoa. We're trying to anchor in something that's not there. But when our lives are anchored in the authority of God's word, we can rest knowing that everything in there is true. The whole thing. It's our weapon. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, where he talks about the armor of God, he talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible needs to be the standard for a Christian's life. Jesus is our example, yes, but how would we know anything that Jesus preaches unless we read the book? You can't just sit in your room and be like, God, tell me what you said in the Bible. Just read the Bible, right? It's our weapon. That's how Paul describes it. That's how Jesus himself, in, and then in Isaiah, he ta- um, the prophet Isaiah talks about how the word of God will last forever. The grass withers, but the word of God will stand forever, right? So my big challenge tonight, coming to, coming to an end, cleaning it up, big challenge is who or what is your final authority? If you're taking notes, just write that down. Meditate on that this week. Think about that this week. Who or what is your final authority? Am I the Thessalonian, led by feelings and prejudice, or am I the Berean who's anchored in the word of God? Because who or what you let your, the authority go to will guide and determine where your life ends up. If I let anything other than what Jesus in the Bible says set the precedent, I'm in deep trouble. I must be rooted in something unchanging. We have a choice to make. We can be like the Bereans who held scripture as their ultimate authority, even over what the Apostle Paul was saying. That's the important part. They themselves did the work. They examined scriptures to see if it lined up. Do that with me. (laughs) Go fact check this. I'm telling you, it's there. Do it with Pastor Brett. I'm telling you, he's preaching the Bible. Do it with anybody you hear. He's shaking his head. No, he said, yeah, yeah, right. This is heresy. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Fact check it, right? God desires you to have a relationship for you. I can't get to heaven through Brett's faith. I got to have my own. I got to do it. I got to put in the work, get my hands dirty, and read the Bible myself, right? See yourself. What we are preaching is true, and there it is. Or are we going to be like the Thessalonians who were their own final authority? who let their jealousy and prejudice ideas lead their actions, which ended up in a riot, which ended up in no truth, no authority at all. It ended up in just this crazy turmoil, right? So as I close, one little quote, my professor in one of my classes that kind of sparked this whole thing last semester, um, he told me in one of, um, I turned in my last assignment, it was kind of about this, and then he replied in the email. And he said, Ben, Whether we realize it or not, we all give someone or something the last word in our lives. Are you going to be like the Thessalonians that let the final word be yourself? Or will you be like the Bereans who let the word of God, which will never change, have the final authority? So that's my challenge to us. What's your authority? Think about it this week. Pray about it. And if it's not the Bible, (laughs) change it. (laughs) Make it the Bible, right? That's basically it. Brad, if you're going to come back up, you can send it. Let's go, bro. Everybody give it up. Let's give go, it up. Bro. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. Thanks, bro. That's good. That's Pre- good word. Appreciate your fam, Mo. <laughs> uh, no, it's a good word. Uh,
just uh, just to wrap it up, and then and then we'll hang out, and then those of you who uh, have the means to get there will go to In and Out and get some grub and all that good stuff. But here's the thing: here's what here's why that message really matters is because uh, there's gonna in in today's society in the social media age we have a lot of stuff that we can look at. We have a lot of stuff uh, that we can get our information from, uh, whether it's uh, some Instagram story of someone telling you all these facts that aren't actually true or not or whatever. Uh, we can we can we can create a worldview based on uh, things that aren't true really easily. And so the reason uh, why what Ben is saying tonight is so important is because um, I, I think we did we did a series on the armor of God a while back, and one thing that we talked about was the belt of truth, right? And so what what does the belt do? The belt um, it holds uh, your your weapons and stuff, but also it just holds everything together. And so if you find yourself falling apart, it's probably because we don't have a good source of truth, right? And so here's the thing: is it, if you're wondering, is this true? Is this good? Is this perfect? Is this is this from God? Like we got to take it with scripture and read it from there. So here's the thing that happens if we follow Jesus. The thing that happens if we follow Jesus is that we have to believe every single word that he said. We don't get to pick and choose. And so um, so thank you for that, Ben. It was good. Uh, and this will lead and, and guide our lives. And and, uh, and this is a great start to split where we're going to talk about what happens when we hit that crossroad, when we're living a certain way and God meets us uh, and we, uh, where we're at. Uh, like in the Bible, when he meets the woman at the well and she has to make a decision. When he, when he meets uh, the, the woman caught in adultery and she has to make a decision. When, they, when he meets the disciples and says, follow me, and they have to make a decision. And one guy's like, wait, I want to go back and bury my father. And he's like, hey, let the dead bury their own. Let's go. Right? And you're like, that's kind of harsh. But what it is is Jesus is making us make a decision. Okay? So, love you. Uh, let's pray real quick. Uh, everybody stand up. I'll pray us out. And uh, we're just going to go hang out for a little bit more. And then if you guys want to go get some grub in and out. We're going to send it. Uh, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Uh, God, thank you for putting that word on Ben's heart um, and his willingness to share it. Uh, thank you for every student in this room uh, that is is uh, choosing to be here at youth group versus all the other places they could be. Uh, God, because we, we know that you are a miracle worker. God, that you are our are, are source of life. God, that you are uh, the bread of life. You are living water. And so, God, we just need you desperately. And so, uh, even though some of us might uh, come to church on Sundays, some of us might come to church on Wednesdays, help us to know that it's not enough. We need you at home. We need you each and every day. Uh, so help us to abide in you uh, every day. And help us to bring uh, all our friends next week so that they can encounter you too. In Jesus' name, amen.